Hello and welcome to My Life on the Line, a podcast by RevCoach. I'm Jack and as always I'm joined by Ale. On this podcast we show the humans behind the whistle through the eyes of referees past and present as well as a broader footballing world. In today's episode, Jack and I get together with Daniele from Referee Abroad and Hassan from Ref6 to discuss the Euro 2020 group stage. We certainly did LA and it's been an exciting tournament so far and there's lots more to come in the knockout stages. We talked about how we thought the tournament's gone, the key refereeing themes of the tournament, standout performances we've seen from referees and of course the assistant referees. We talk about the exchange between Conanball and UEFA and finally we talk about what's next. Who's our tip for the final? Who do we think are going to get the big games? Here's today's show. I recommend a on-field review. Stop it, stop it, stop it! Okay, okay, which one's that? Danny Hassan, good to see you. Thanks for joining us tonight, or today. Uh, thanks for having us. <laughs> Uh, today, yes. Thank you very much, <laughs> That's That's been one of the recurring things for the Euros. Every time we have a live to discuss the, the last round, I tell the guys, tomorrow, tomorrow. And they're like, no, 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 Ali, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, of course, on that note, that the whole theme of this podcast is we're talking about Euro 2020. Uh, there's been a lot happening. We've been doing our review shows, which are exciting. Hassan, I know you've been doing some cool stuff with Ref6 around the Euros, which has been brilliant. Um, but let's delve in straight away uh daniele what's your take on the tournament so far what do you think i think it's been a good tournament refereeing wise the standard refereeing has been great uh probably the best of the last few editions so fair play to uh, both the referees and of course the their leadership so roberto rosetti and and the committee um i mean as you guys said in in, in the in the past few weeks we've been analyzing the episodes and sometimes it was difficult to find episodes to analyze because the referees did, did well, and mm-hmm. of course, uh, VAR helped a lot too. Um, it, you guys probably have, have, have heard that uh, uh, Rosetti, the head of refereeing of, of UEFA, uh, at a press conference yesterday when it when did a bit of a, re- a recap of the tournament, and and rightly so, he was very satisfied with the, with the outcome. And I believe that uh, maybe for the first time in history of football, all pundits agree with him. Um, and um, yeah, of course, yeah. we'll talk later about uh, standouts and episodes and, blah, and so on. But but uh, the, my overall assessment is uh, very close to a ten. And you're you're a hard man to impress, Daniele. So that is uh, <laughs> strong words of praise indeed. Hassan, what did you think? And anything different to Daniele? No, uh, refereeing wise, it's been perfect almost. I, I don't think you can get perfect, but it's been as close to perfect as you can get. Um, uh, as a as a football tournament as a whole, I feel like the it's not really sparked into life just yet. It's been, it's been very cautious and cagey. Uh, not until the last games of the last group was yeah. it was it really starting to kind of liven up. And obviously, we're going into the knockout rounds now, so I expect it to to really become more exciting. And looking forward to some really big games even already. There's not really even a clear favourite right now. I know Italy have done you know well, but people could say well. They've had some, you know, easier games, and you look at France, who everyone's were favourite, but they've drawn two games. So, you know, it, it's everyone's to to win. You know, we could even see 
like a replica of Greece and Denmark's famous yeah. winds. You know, there could yeah. be someone come from nowhere. Could have you know, Austria. Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ukra Ukraine and Sweden have got each other and then they've got a, you know, that's on the easy side of the draw. Who knows? You you, you actually can't predict it. Um, but but overall, cautiously optimistic that it's going to be become a little bit more lively and more exciting as the knockouts go. And yeah, the refereeing has been spot on, you know. Some great refereeing performances all around, all, all, all across the the spectrum of referees that have, uh, have participated so far. And the assistant refereeing has been spot on, you know. There's been, I think, I, I don't want to, it's around five or six goals that have been either given offside or not given offside that have been overruled. That's it. And all of them were by tight margin. So the offside yeah. decisions by the yeah. ARs has been on point. So yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah, and we'll talk about standout performances a little bit later, but absolutely the assistants across the board, not singling anybody out, but the assistants as a whole have been first class and definitely what you're saying about it. it's been not a cagey group stage, but nothing has set anything on fire. So I think everybody is really waiting for these round of 16 games with a lot of anticipation. There's some mouth-watering tyres coming up uh, England Germany obviously is top of my agenda personally. Um, huge game, and there's a few other Belgium, massive games. Belgium, so Belgium, Portugal, Portugal, Belgium, Portugal, yeah. Belgium. Yeah, yeah, and of course, coming with big games comes the need for for big, big refereeing performances. And uh, we, we've Definitely. seen a, a couple of appointments come out already, which we will talk about later on, later on in the podcast. But exciting things are coming. That is for sure. Key themes. What are we thinking so far? Mm. What, one that stands out for me that we seem to have talked about a lot um, in our review sessions and, and Ali's done an incredible job of pulling together everything we've been doing for that. But it, it's been around those studs on foot challenges. I feel like that's oh, yeah. across the three Euro review sessions we've done. That's been a really consistent theme and, and how the benchmark, I'm not sure if benchmark is the right word, but the threshold for these challenges yeah. has been raised slightly you know over the last couple of years any challenge where studs on foot has really been a mandatory yellow card whereas we've seen the threshold really raised from that and it's given us some interesting episodes and, and topics of discussion that we've pulled apart but keen to hear your thoughts on that and then obviously your your thoughts on different topics altogether Ali? Yeah I think that's actually a consequence of modern football really because if you think about uh, how much faster, how much quicker and how much more skilled players are these days. Obviously getting a stomp on a foot, it's a lot easier than what it was even five years ago. If you think about the Mbappe, the Pogba, the, uh, all these super skillful players that can really do some magic with the ball at times, it's easy when you're trying to tackle them to stomp on their on their feet so I think that's a natural evolution of football where look not every stomp has to be a yellow card then obviously there's the the complete opposite of the scale with the red card that um, Atagan gave in the Italy-Wales game where that was more than a stomp on the foot but was still quite similar uh, comparable and you know I think there's been those two sort of uh, sides of, of the medal from, from those challenges which has been quite interesting uh, but the best thing, which I love, Nassan, you said it the first live we did, he said it's, it feels like it's always been the same referee. Yeah. So they've all been interpreted the same way each game, which is fantastic because even for referees watching from home, you know what's expected out of those challenges, which I think is great. I, th I think 
another thing to add, um, of course, I agree with, with everything you said about stamps and food. Uh, but another standout would be a uh, key point would be the uh, ANBOL, ANBOL considerations. Because as you know, uh, this was the first uh, tournament to apply the new considerations for uh, punishment of ANBOLs. So mm -hmm. this could have been difficult, you know, being the very first in the world to do that. It, it could have proved challenging, but uh, just like Rosetti said yesterday in his, in his press conference, uh, the application of the new directives has been uh, very consistent, and uh, and uh, the referees have done a good job, even even though in a, in a challenging environment. Um, so yeah, I mean, of course, there have been a few errors. Uh, Rosette himself mentioned a few, but but that's absolutely normal. And uh, going forward, this this is a pretty solid base to, to work on. So that, that's another probably key takeaway from, from these, uh, this tournament. Um, and and uh, like you said, um, uh, Ale, um, also to me and, and to other people around Europe, um, it looked like there was only one referee on the field as if the same guy refereed all games. So consistency has been achieved and, and we know how difficult it is to do that. I mean, myself, when I... That is so hard. Leagues, you know, leagues have the same referees week on week on week on week, year on year on year, and can't achieve consistency, whether that be in EPL or even in the Champions League. It's more consistent, but there's still variances. I mean, from my, from my standpoint... I've got no idea the answer to this question, yeah. but how, how do you think that's been achieved? Well, I think there have been, for sure, um, I mean, they've done a lot of work together over the season, of course, the fact that... Uh, these referees, except uh, very few were referees that were heavily used during the Champions League season, uh, that, that probably helped a lot. Um, but, but also the new referees that came in uh, were properly briefed. Um, so I think there was mm -hmm. a, a great job by the committee and, and, and the coaches of, of the referees to make sure they were all on the same page. Um, so, yeah, fair play to them for, for this. You know, consistency is... Is, is one of those big wars in football and in refereeing that everybody wants to achieve, but nobody <laughs> usually does. You know, it's like it's like sort of, uh, you know, going to our our own going to the moon, you know, reaching the moon. And, and as the sun said before, we can't reach perfection ever, uh, but we're very close to that. And, and uh, this has been a big uh, takeaway from, from this tournament for sure. The definition of clear and obvious and VAR. I, I actually think this is probably the biggest, um, the biggest uh, thing in the tournament. I, you read my mind. You absolutely read my mind. Yeah, <laughs> because VAR has everyone is saying this is how VAR should be, right? And basically, and all it is is the bar for clear and obvious has gone up massively. They've, you know, there are certain fouls or pen or penalty uh, incidents that could have happened, such as Sterling against uh, Scotland, right? Could have been. Given as a foul, given as a penalty. Kingsley Coman against Portugal was fouled, could have been given as a penalty. And in many of the top leagues may have. And I think what they're looking, what, what I think they've implemented this in this Euros is literally clear and obvious means clear and obvious error. Not subjective. If we had a room of 100 referees, 50 would say one, 50 would say another. It has to be 
stone wall there's an error here and that is the in my opinion the correct implementation of how people want var to be implemented and i think in the past too many times there's been those subjective oh i think it's a penalty but the referee hasn't and you know again if you put that in a clip in a room it's going to go 50 50 those are the ones that should not be getting reviewed so i think that, that has been one of the standout performances as a whole is again the consistency amongst the VARs yeah it's been pretty phenomenal actually the fact that the only time I've heard VAR being mentioned is in a positive way and since VAR came in what was it three four years ago it's really only been negative Mm, connotations around VAR I think when VAR was designed this is probably what the people who designed it truly had in mind but like anything new, and it's the biggest change we've had in, in football, well, possibly since the offside rule came in, uh, yeah. which was long before we were in, involved in football. It's a monumental change. It's going to take time. But if this can set the benchmark for future VAR uses, I, I think everybody will be happier. Players, ah. pundits, fans, referees. We've seen in the Premier League how challenging it's been for them to implement it. In all leagues, really. Because oh, yeah, in Italy, true. it's been that, like... I think that's probably why this Euro was good for VR because it's the first time probably that they actually got all the officials from all different countries in one room and told that clearly this is how we want you to use them mm. uh, without them then going back to their leagues and being told something different. Yeah. Because in Italy, it's used one way, which is relatively consistent, but at the same time, a bit random. Then in England, at the same time, it's changed a couple of times. It, but yeah. it's the same thing, different issues. But if you look at the trends, it starts being used in one way, then people are, maybe it's not the right way, so we change. Now it's more, you also have officials, obviously, that are the top of Europe. Mm. Uh, so yeah, which yeah, helps. Massive. Which helps, which means their mistakes are reduced to a minimum. But at the same time, there's been this directive of, look, use it this way, and it's been used that way, and it's been amazing. I think football has been winning thanks to VAR in this tournament. So if this sets an example of how VR should be used for all the leagues in the world, it just could be the biggest turnaround for VAR in, since its creation. I keep mentioning that, I know, but, but it was very interesting what Rossetti said in his press conference. He briefly touched on the subject of VAR too. Uh, and he said, uh, of course, that VR, he used a, a nice metaphor because he said that VR is like a new vehicle that needs an experienced driver. And he said he... He was very happy with the outcome, just like, like we discussed together. Um, but he also said something very interesting. He said, VAR is not here to change football. We want football to remain the sport that it has always been. VAR is only here to help. So he said that his objective and the objective of all the wafer refereeing class, and I suppose also FIFA, of course, but he was talking for wafer, is to find the right balance between minimum intervention and maximum benefit. That's the sentence he used. And I think it sums up very well um, what everybody thinks. Mm. Well, that's been the the tagline for VAR since it came out in its first edition. But uh, as we've articulated, it's become murky, it's become changed, it's become influenced. And uh, You see, for example, uh, Jack, just sorry for interrupting. there's a, there's a lot of people, especially pundits, media, you know, that sometimes say, oh, uh, but that was an error. 
what did we introduce VAR for if you if you don't change that? But that's not the point of VAR, you know. That, Absolutely. That's the thing. Yeah, and and Rosetti made it clear yesterday. And, and that's where it comes down to education. And yeah. sure, tournament football is a bit different where. Uh, Rosetti can get up and have these press conferences and uh, explain what things are and how they're used. Like in in, I'll say the real world, but league football, it it would be very hard for every week the referees boss of the league to come out and have a frank conversation like that. But uh, very very different difficult because first of all it's teams, not nations, which is completely different. And and teams have owners uh, who put a lot of money to club. Nations are different, so it is unique in the way they've been able yeah. to do that and the way they've been able to educate the whole football world. So they may have it slightly easier, but there's no doubt that they've really hit the mark on VAR. And hopefully uh, the rest of the world can take it going forward like this. It would be interesting to see, and I haven't watched one game, but comparing to um, Copper America, yeah, you know, have they hit the nail on the head like UEFA have? I, I don't know. Agreed. 100%. So we talked about the assistants and how they've had an incredible tournament so far across the board. Daniele, I know through Referee Abroad on your socials, you've been really positive in your praise for assistants in particular. So do you want to maybe kick off and talk us through your thoughts on the assistants, on who's been such a standout in that space and, and why? I mean, I don't want to name names because it would be unfair. I, I would for sure forget somebody and it would be unfair. But just like Hassan said before, I think uh, refereeing has been great, but assistant refereeing even, even more. I mean, in, uh, in a football like national teams football where, you know, the best teams from every nation, the best uh, sorry player from every nation plays, uh, you know, you have this very quick style of play and, and keeping up with the, with the last defender it can be it can prove especially challenging and um, we've seen a couple of decisions where uh, the assistance was absolutely spot on and right confirmed by VR that was so tight like literally a tool over the line or something and and i think that's that's it's been amazing and even the errors even the few times that uh, a goal was either disallowed or or allowed uh, contrary to the to the advice of the assistant referee it's always been for very, very minor mistakes. So that, that, that proves uh, that, that the assistant referees for this tournament have been, have been great. I mean, if I really need to name somebody, I would most certainly uh, talk about uh, uh, the two ARs of, of Anthony Taylor, for example. Um, so Gary and, and Adam, they've been, they've been spot on on every decision. There was a game, I think, I think it was Anthony's second game, uh, where Gary... Yeah. Gary had six close decisions to take, and he had a hundred percent success rate. I mean, amazing, really amazing. That's superhuman. Yeah. That's superhuman. Exactly. <laughs> That's I really mean, superhuman. you know, uh, you probably heard in 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 the past few weeks that uh, FIFA is uh, um, trying to experiment a new system to help assistant referees, which involves some sort of robotic intelligence. You know, uh, which, yeah. by the way, I don't want to. Um, confuse people but it wouldn't replace assistant referees it would just be an help for them you know but sometimes you wonder okay we know that probably the future will add that way as Arsene Wenger also said 
but sometimes you wonder whether that's really necessary because they 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 are robots themselves have our assistants you know they're so they're so amazing and you know also daniel or daniel or Sato's assistants have been great uh, the italians but also um kuiper's assistants you know uh, so i yeah. think overall uh, um whoever is in charge I'm, I'm not sure who's in charge this year for assistant referees but uh, the committee, at least, my, must be really happy with their performance. Absolutely, Ale. What about you? Standout performances for me. I've been. Uh, I actually have really enjoyed watching Anthony Taylor refereeing. I've always liked his style because I think he's a good mix of uh, English refereeing and uh, and European refereeing. I think he's very good at management, but um, can also be closer to by the book if you want. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I, I I liked him. Obviously, especially he's proved he's proved to be so resilient with the Ericsson incident when yeah. he was so quick to respond to that incident. But also the strength to come back on the field and referee, and then go and do a second game after that, which could have been easily a very um, you know a very destructive experience for lots of people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and doing it with the, with the, with the abilities and showing his, his true skills as he did, that's, he deserves lots of prizes. I really hope to see him in the final with Italy. Uh, obviously, a bit uh, as a fan of, of my nation, as a fan of refereeing, I think he, it, so, my, so far he's been my favorite um, performer. Um, and But I also want to praise um, the South Americans for coming in into a completely different confederation and sort of proving to be uh, up to the task. Yeah. Which it's not always easy when you come, especially yeah, from I, South America, to European football. Yeah. And we'll park that just for a sec, because we'll park that for now, because that's someone I want to pull apart and explore a little bit later, because it's something, uh, it's not the first time, as we've talked about in the reviews, but it's quite unique. So we'll park, park that for now. Um, but absolutely, Taylor's been fantastic, obviously, as an Englishman. Well, English from Australian, very proud of, of Taylor Hassan. I know you've been very vocal on Ref6 backing Team Tails and, and Team Oliver, and they've both put in really good performances. Yeah. But what's been a standout for you, Hassan? Yeah, no, I, I think they've uh, both been great, but the whole teams um, uh, of Anti Taylor and Michael Oliver. I uh, am a big fan of Rapinelli, how he's come in, and we'll talk about him. Um, I think Laoz has been uh, obviously easier to comment on him because he's had one more game than anyone else. And uh, uh, I think, although some people may may disagree on the Portugal-France game, I, I, I don't. I think he, he's had a great tournament so far. Um, and I think he's taken his form in from the last few games in the Champions League into this tournament. And I think, I think he will be a strong contender for the final if Spain don't get there just because, you know, UEFA trust him. They gave him a couple of the biggest games in, in this round, uh, in the group stages, and they gave him a Champions League final, which he pulled off effortlessly. So he's going to be the one who's, who's going to be up in the conversation at the end of the tournament. Anthony and Michael Oliver, I'm sure, will be, um, have, have done a great uh have given a great account of themselves too. And there's been some really other strong performances, the, the usual suspects, right? Uh, Shakir, Britt, uh, Kuipers, but also some of the younger referees coming through, like Sieber from, yeah, from this, Germany. And he's the, um, yeah. correct my word, in no. the category, he's not the top category. Is it that guy? 
Yeah, is that, is in UEFA, in UEFA you got one, isn't it? four categories. There used to be five, uh, but they're now four. Um, and when you become a FIFA referee, you start from the bottom, uh, which is category three. Um, unless you are from one of the five big nations, Italy, France, England, Spain, and Germany, in that case, uh, uh, you start straight from category two and you go up. And of course, usually up until this year, uh, the only referees that are under consideration for a place at one of the major tournaments, so either a Euro or uh, or uh, the World Cup, or even the knockout phases of, of the European competitions, not the group stage, but the knockouts, had always been referees that, that belong to the top category, which is uh, elite, the elite category. Uh, but this year, uh, yet another revolution introduced, positive revolution introduced by, by Rossetti. Um, there were two category ones selected. So uh, it, was, it was a big surprise and I think a positive one. One was uh, Andreas Ekberg from, from Sweden uh, and the other one was, of course, uh, yeah, and the other one was uh, Daniel Siebert yeah, from, from Germany who uh, was a huge surprise because uh, he had, uh, keep in mind, Germany has got four elite referees already and so mm. he's uh, on paper at least number five in Germany but he's done so well over the last season, that in uh, one uh, jump, he, he, he got straight to number two and, and he got selected for the, for the Euros. And, uh, you know, some people and some pundits were commenting on that before the beginning of the tournament, saying that it was a bit of a risk on Rosetti's side, that he would probably just do one game and go home. Instead, he got two games in the group stage and now he's got a knockout game today, Wales-Denmark. So that and proves that... He's yeah. performed really well. He's, he's, uh, he's incredible. I mean, we know Felix Brick is from Germany and he's, he's going to be number one. He's always going to be number one for Germany. But once Brick retires, I'm confident to say that, that Germany is, is in good hands. Follow us on our Facebook or YouTube to join us or review all the Euro Matchday reviews with our son, Daniele, Jack and Ali. Hassan mentioned something that to me was really interesting and it ties in with the consistency thing that we've talked about. And that is, we talk about the names we've just talked about. These guys have been around in the UEFA top competitions for what seems like an incredibly long time. Like, Kuypers has been in the Champions League doing top games for at least six, seven years. It, it, It may be longer, I don't know, but there's quite a few people in that space and maybe that leads to that level of consistency because these guys have been singing off the same hymn sheet for so long it's not like in a world cup where you know you they've been thrown together from all the different confederations but because these guys have been working together for such a long time 12 years skypers 12 years they elite, elite fifa since 2009 yeah 12 years and there's many more in his boat yeah which, uh, jack something along what you're saying, uh, Chakir from, from Turkey, he would be another standout because, you know, Chakir got his Champions League final quite a few years ago now. Um, Champions League final, sorry. And um, that's when he peaked originally. And then many people were talking, saying, oh, Chakir is no longer the Chakir he used to be. You know, he's not performing at the same level as, uh, as when he did the big games, you know. Keep in mind, Shakira had a semi-final in the last Euros four years ago, so he was already at the top then. Uh, but he's back. He's and, and he had a semi-final in the World Cup. Yes, he did. Yeah, well, right. yeah that, that too, yeah. 
So he, he he's back at the levels he, he, he got used us to. And that's another another sign of the great job that Wave has done because even these more experienced referees, he kept them motivated and he brought them back to the level they used to be. So uh, Shakira is most certainly another standout for me. And just the, just the dedication to be at the top for that long, you've got to think about the amount of fitness work that they've been doing, the amount of traveling they do, the time away from their family, because, you know, like they're, they're all over the place, all over, you know, it, when we talk about Kuipers, he's obviously doing the Eredivisie in, in, in the Netherlands, but then in the week he's traveling all over Europe and, you know, and then every four years he may be all around the world because of the World Cup. Yeah. So the amount of kind of sacrifice they have, they don't have a normal life, yeah. you know, don't get me wrong, they're privileged to be at that level and they've worked really hard to get there, but they also have had a lot of sacrifices. So to be able to kind of be that consistent at that level with all those sacrifices is incredible. It, it's, that's a also, great point, Hassan. It, it's yeah. like players. It's exactly the same yeah. as players, you know. Kuiper's being at that more, level. More, probably more. Yeah, well, yeah, and you don't have the team you travel with. You have your small team, yeah. but it's a small group. You don't have all your coaches, physios, you know, you don't have that that real group. It, it's incredibly impressive that they've they've gone out and done that. Of course, unfortunately, they're, well, probably fairly, but unfortunately not paid as quite as well yeah. as the players are to, to do the same thing. But it, We wish. Yeah, we wish. <laughs> it's a fantastic point you raise, Hassan, and one that is probably overlooked where we look yeah. at people staying at this level. They're just people. You know, this amount of time yeah. and sacrifice, it's going to have impacts on, you know, you think of Kuipers, if he had, he's what, 50 or, or 45, he had kids who were maybe okay. three or four when he started at that level. Those kids are now teenagers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because that's because yeah, that's so 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 true. Like these people have sacrificed so much. Yeah, the refereeing and the Euros and everything, but half of their lives it basically have been dedicated to refereeing, and it's a sacrifice that must not go unspoken of. It, they they deserve they deserve to be praised for that. Yeah, I wanted to mention one one more thing, which is uh, um, you know we talk about consistency, uh, uh, which is great. But it's even greater if you consider that we have two completely different generations of refereeing in this group. Yeah, we've got yeah. the the older the, we got the older guys like Kuipers, yeah. which I believe is is forty eight, born in seventy three. Yeah. You've got somebody like Siebert that we talked about just uh, just a few minutes ago, who was born in eighty four, so he's is eleven years younger. You know, so UEFA has achieved consistency with two sets of referees that are completely different from each other. And at the same time, he's keeping the uh, legends of refereeing like Kuiper's Brick, Shakir, performing at a very great at the great level. But they are also making sure that when they retire, there's some there's younger yeah. guys ready to step in. It's brilliant which is management, yeah. isn't it? It's succession planning. It's probably it's, one of the hardest challenges in refereeing as well, like keeping the talent coming through. Yeah, we see it personally at a, at a local level um, here in our state. You know, there's been some really good referees coming through and then you know you see a bit of a gap and then another group come through it's but they i mean we seem to be full of praise for your wafer in, in this episode but it's true it's deserved they're ticking it's, it's the it's ticking every single box and that leads quite quite nicely into someone we've touched on already which is the exchange between your wafer and conable how do you say it conable conable uh, the, the South American Federation. So we've had um, the Spanish referee go over and referee in Copa America. And we've had uh, the... Is he Argentinian? Argentinian, The yes. Argentinian referee come over to 
um, you uh, to referee in the, the Euros, and, and we touched on in the review, it happened with an Egyptian referee before, but it's um, pretty unique, pretty new. What are you, what are your thoughts, gents? I, I think he did amazingly well, as you guys said. You know, it's not easy to come from South America into Europe because there are two completely different ways of playing football and, and even refereeing, you know, because we know, we know that South America needs a much different style of, of refereeing. So I think Rapalini and his, uh, and his two ARs did, uh, did an amazing, amazing job. I mean, many people were expecting these to be more of a pro forma thing that they would maybe do one yeah. game, two games and go home. But now, just today, it was announced that, that Rapalini and his team are going to referee a knockout stage game which is, uh, which is uh, a proof of, of the amazing job they've done. Uh, they referee France against uh, Switzerland, I believe. I, and, and I also think, I really like this idea of the exchanges. I mean, I, I work in, in referee exchanges. Yeah, uh, you're biased. You know. You're biased. <laughs> yeah, okay, I, I'm biased. That's, that's all we do. But, but uh, it's nice to see those things at a high level because, uh, because uh, it also um, makes sure, it, it helps FIFA because it ensures that the referees that will go to the World Cup will be even better prepared, you know? So I really like that. I was, I was literally just going to say that point, is this isn't the, the Euros is a great tournament. It's a huge tournament, but actually, you know, really the World Cup is the one, right? And so what we want is the best referees at the World Cup as well. And if you can get experience refereeing in different countries, then you're going to be a stronger referee. And if you're refereeing in different countries during the biggest tournaments, even better. So I, 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 a friend of mine, Matthew Conger, is a New Zealand referee. He referees in different countries. You know, he's refereed in Australia, in oh, China, in Saudi he's Arabia. He's Mr. Worldwide. But it's super technical, right? It's super tactical because he's trying to develop his skill set to be a well-rounded referee, to understand different football cultures and stuff like this. So... Um, He's purposely done it himself, but the fact that UEFA and FIFA and Commonwealth are starting to make this happen, because I think it's been happening with like OFC, AFC and some other um, regions too in the past. Um, I, I think it will be the norm. And, and in truth, it's just going to make refereeing stronger everywhere. And you mentioned a bit before about, you know, UEFA have done a great job in bringing the, the youngsters through, et cetera. But I want to go one further because they can only depict from what's been developed in each country right so every country has done an absolutely fantastic job in trying to you know promote referees and develop them and that's at their top levels but all the way down to when a new referee starts this isn't like this isn't something that happens overnight this this is 10-15 years of development that we're starting to see kind of come to fruition and um you know people's there's still a lot of work to do i think i think refereeing could even be uh, much better at grassroots level in the development but um, you know, it's getting there and slowly by slowly. And, and, and if already now we're watching a tournament where we can't tell the difference between the referees, imagine in 10 years when all the referees are super developed and there's much more, you know, training and development and they're, they're athletes even more so than they are today. So it's super exciting for the refereeing world. It's just a positive news story, isn't it? It's yeah. not often that we have referees being talked about in such a positive light. And hopefully, like we've talked about with VAR, hopefully this positive news story will, will continue when the, you know, the European seasons start back up in August, September. I think we have to give credit to the pundits as well for actually calling it out, yeah. you know, yeah. because it's quite easy to 
it, it's quite easy for them to, you know, they don't get me wrong. If there's a mistake, they can find it and they spot it and they talk about it quickly. Right. But, um, you know, when there is a good performance, it's quite easy for them to just completely brush over it. But the fact that, that you know, they've been um, voicing their opinions in a positive way is great because it just helps um, those referees coming through when they go out and do a local game that, you know, that, that, there's some positivity around refereeing. It's not just all negativity. So that's great. Yeah. And there has always been advocates of refereeing in the punditry commentary, commentary world. When, when we had Derek Ray on yeah. uh, almost a year ago, he, yeah. he really opened our eyes to someone who was genuinely such an advocate of referees and wanted referees to be, to be viewed in a positive light. He wasn't just someone who was there looking for, you know, a, a spin headline or a controversial headline. he, you know, really empathised and, yeah. and took the time to understand refereeing, which which can only lead to more positive outcomes, like Hassan just mentioned. I wish that happened in Italy too, but it doesn't. Um, I'm not. <laughs> oh, well, you and Ale can speak. It's a bit different uh, back at home. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure if Ale, Ale, you've seen the, the titles of the main newspapers. Ah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. been... Yeah. Yeah, one of the newspaper in Italy titled "Be careful, the referee is English about the knocker," and I'm and I'm thinking, who? How? How do you actually sell papers? Controversy, clicks. The, the funny thing. The funny thing was that you mentioned two things. First of all, uh, you know there's been a debate in Europe about whether to play the final at Wembley because of the rising COVID cases there, um, and so uh, this paper was trying to connect. The fact that uh, the governments were advancing some doubts about uh, the playing at Wembley with the fact, oh, now they sent us an English referee, so it will take revenge of us because we doubted of them. <laughs> that, that was one yeah, thing. Okay. And, and then the second thing was that Taylor refereed the last game, Italy-Holland 1-1, where Italy conceded a goal. And so that's also suspicious, according to them, you know? <laughs> So evil eye, it's the evil eye. <laughs> it comes. I don't want to get off topic and change yeah, the podcast, yeah, but it comes back to, you know, how do these papers make money? It's to get people to yeah. buy them. What do people want to read about? Oh, it's controversy. It's this. It's that. You know, it all comes back to what's the why? Why are they doing this? And that's it to sell newspapers. People aren't going to buy a newspaper where the headline is, "The referees are brilliant." Shame is this this newspaper. It's uh, out of the top twenty in uh, in Italy because uh, they've been going down yeah, for a while. So uh, yeah, but unfortunately, <laughs> it was it, it, the same uh, trend line was caught by a bigger uh, sports uh, TV channel as well. So it yeah. was not only that newspaper. But yeah, I mean, what you said about Derek is absolutely true, and and it's great that he does that. I just wish everybody did that. But uh, yeah. Maybe step step by step, step by step. Yeah. Agree. You summed it up well, Daniele. Finally, chaps, I think, you know, Hassan mentioned at the very start that everyone's looking forward to the round of 16. There's some massive games, some exciting games. And we said that exciting games comes with massive refereeing performances. So what do we think is next? We know a couple of the... So this has been recorded uh, on the weekend before we release on, on Wednesday. So... We know a few appointments for round of 16 at this time. And, and Daniele, I know you've been studying the history of some appointments and how that might look and influence this tournament. But who do, wh who's your tip for the final? Who's your tip for the big games? What are we thinking? Well, I mean, of course, uh, I must say that, uh, that uh, UEFA has, has surprised many with the appointments. So uh, they would probably surprise us again. Uh, but, uh, of course, as you, as you said, uh, um, 
the final the final referee will be a referee that probably does a big game in the knockout stage. There's there's at least four or five referees that that in my opinion uh, could uh, aim for the final. Much will depend also on which teams uh, go through because you know if depending on the, on the national when England make the final, it's going to rule out obviously Taylor uh, and Oliver. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> if, if I if, let's. Okay, this is just a game. So if if I need to put a bet, I'm not. By the way, we're not playing money, so from people listening, Pure, purely hypothetical. Uh, purely purely hypothetical. hypothetical. So if I need to put a bet, I would probably say that right now my two favorites for uh, for the final are either Felix Brick from Germany or Anthony Taylor because they did great. They've been praised for their great performances, and also one of the two teams won't be in the final because they're playing each other. So. Depend. So yeah. I see them too as as uh, the early favorites, front runners. Let's put, let's put it that way. Um, but there's a couple of others that may as uh, as well be in the, in the game. I'm thinking about Kuipers, of course, uh, which uh, is the this old is, classic. This is probably his last major tournament of his career because he's 48. So it would be a great way to to crown his career. Uh, but he's definitely uh, up there in the in my consideration. Uh, but also, I would probably also mention uh, um, Daniel Rosato of Italy. Is um, is an, mm-hmm. another very reliable referee uh, who could uh, could be there or in a semi final. His biggest problem, yeah, will be being Italian because, as we've talked about, the Italians look so strong. Yeah, but Italy is also on the other side of the draw, so you never know. Because okay, they True. they play Austria yeah. tonight. Everybody is assuming Italy will win against Austria, me included. But uh, you never know. But uh, uh, let's assume they win against Austria. Uh, they'll meet either Belgium or Portugal in the next game, and that's going to be tricky. Run. It's going to be tricky, especially because okay, they played really well in the group stage, but they haven't really played major teams, you know. So, um, with all respect, uh, due respect for Wales, of course. Yeah, you know, uh, Turkey was supposed to be a big team, but they were a disappointment in this in these years. So, you know. yeah, yeah, um, true. We never know. Yeah, maybe Asada will will, will get lucky. Ale, what do you think? Who who are your tips? Uh, I I would like I I personally I have as I said before I I really enjoy watching Taylor so I would love even though I I don't know if he's an, a real candidate but I would love to see him in the final. It's his um, first major tournament, yeah. right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So it's probably hard, but I think for what he's done, even in the Champions League this season, to be honest, I think he's done really, really well. And it's been two years where he's been at the real top, in my opinion. So it would be great. I think he deserves it all in all. The, the, the one thing I'll say, though, is Mark Klattenberg did it in the, uh, in his first uh, major tournament, right? So he did the Euros. True. However, yeah. but then True. On, on that fact is it's very rare that you're going to get the same re- uh, referee from the same country do it two, two, two in a row. So that may be a challenge, yeah. but like like Daniel yeah. Daniela said, Rosetti's done things unconventionally in the past. So who knows? Exactly, it, yeah. and it is it is highly likely Taylor will be at the next Euro. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Very highly, highly, highly likely. likely. Yeah. yeah, I also think to be honest, I, I wouldn't count Laos out of the picture. Yeah, Hassan mentioned this as well, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, despite a couple of controversial decisions in his last game, which was probably the hardest game of the tournament so far. I still think he's at three excellent games. Mm-hmm. So, again, because Rossetti hasn't done things conventionally, it may just go, well, there was a couple of controversial, controversial decisions, but who cares? 
He's still been one of the strongest referees of the tournament, so why not still keep him as an option to count on him in the biggest second game yeah. of the tournament? Yeah, look, my, my opinion is, I, I agree with all the names that have mentioned. I don't think anyone's uh, really done themselves harm during the group stage, really. Um, yeah. But I also don't think anyone's put their name on it. So I, I think these games are going to yeah. be the key games. I, I want to throw a really big spanner and uh, in the works and talk about a complete outsider, which is Karasev from Russia. Um, you know, I, I don't mm. think they've had a, a... He's not always been my favourite referee, but I think his performances have been pretty good. So who knows? Uh, he's got a round of 16 game today. So uh, I might be in my words, or it, this may be a golden prediction, right? <laughs> who knows? We'll see. <laughs> can I, Put five pounds on it and see what happens. <laughs> can I just uh, say something about what Hassan just said? Karasev, uh, have you noticed who's his, his observer is on the next game? It's Rossetti, right? You know, yeah. it's, it's Rossetti. He must mean yeah. something, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and well, we, we, we love reading into these UEFA appointments. <laughs> what does it mean? We're, we're, Why is we're, he we're, there? We're Where is this going to lead? Probably reading something doesn't exist. But, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we're, all I know is if I get this right, then you need to. we need to blow this up when, when it happens. Uh, this, this little clip of me predicting <laughs> We, we can snip this up and then when that final uh, appointment is announced to San, you can, you can split that all over the refs. And, and then you can give me lots of numbers, <laughs> yeah, mate. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a complete outside chance. I think there are a lot of bigger names there. But, you know, I, like I said, no one's put their name on it and every, everything's to play for in these next few games. Yeah, and that's the beauty of a tournament. Any referee that is taken to the tournament really in theory, has the skills and opportunity to get that final because it's a tournament and that's the beauty of it. So lads, some, some fascinating insights. I know we've been all over the tournament through our, our match day reviews, but it's been great to have the opportunity to pause, take stock and, and consider what has been. And then importantly, look to what could be coming. It's clearly going to be a fascinating and exciting round of 16 and beyond. There's going to be some brilliant refereeing performances, plenty of talking points, I'm sure, and hopefully the positivity surrounding referees will, will continue because that is only a good thing for, for refereeing. So, gents, really appreciate you joining us. Hassan, Daniele and Ale, it's great to be with you in person again and really appreciate your time. And Look forward to seeing you guys on the, the next match day review after the round of 16. Perfect. Thanks for having us. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, hit the subscribe button. For more referee education, join our Facebook group and become a RefCoach member for free at refcoach.org. If you like the work we do, you can support us by purchasing a RefCoach whistle to show that you are part of the RefCoach community when you're out on the pitch.